you, Jesus. Amen, Jim. Amen. I'll read a scripture here before we begin. Don was just praying. We are all praying for that outpouring of God's spirit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, sure. Definitely. Yes. No, go ahead. No. Definitely. Go for it. Definitely. One of my best, one of my, one of my best friends um, canceled on me. And he can't, and I'd already had my camp set up. I went up to the Davy Crockett National Forest and hadn't been camping in a while. We're trying to get back into it. Got the new Jeep and all that. Wanted to get it dirty. If you look outside, it's dirty. Um, so I'm sitting there, hadn't started dinner yet. Get a text from my buddy, and he texts me, and he says, I'm sorry, Ed, I, I can't make it. I've, I've got some family business I need to take care of. My, my wife and I are having a disagreement, and I need to go home. And I said, uh, yeah, I understand. I've got a wife. Go home. You, you know, live, live, live to fight another day. Um, and I prayed for him. And I thought about packing up to go home. Um, because what's camping without buddies? And I prayed about it, and the Lord told me, stay. I didn't know why. I really didn't. I felt kind of awkward about it, but I thought, you know, it'd be nice to camp out here tonight by myself. And, um, and then the, the creepiness. I see that look on your face. And then the creepiness, you know, kind of seeps in, especially as it starts getting dark. You're out here in the woods all by yourself. Um, and I've camped by myself before, and it, it always crosses your mind, what am I doing out here by myself? And then my wife doesn't help because she's like, be sure and carry a gun. Be sure and carry it with you all the time. You can't go by yourself if you don't have this with you all the time. I want it strapped to your chest. And I was like, no, no we're not. <laughs> so I, um, I prayed about it and again, and the Lord said, I, I want you to stay. I want you to stay and I want to talk to you. I want to be with you. And um, it didn't make that part as clear probably in my head, but later he did. So I stayed. Nancy called me. And uh, she asked me if I was coming home, and I said, no, I, I prayed about this. I think I'm going to stay. I'll, I'll be home maybe tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see what goes on. So I went to bed pretty early. Um, I had an obligatory drink and dinner and went to bed about 9 o'clock. Um, I didn't sleep very well. I was very fitful through the night. I had this strange feeling that I was prey and that there was a predator, but I wasn't afraid. I prayed a little bit during the night, but but not scared. Just glad you're with me, Lord. I'm going back to sleep. But I felt like I didn't want to leave the tent. And um, I had to use the bathroom, and I, I held that till almost sun up. And I can't tell you why. It was irrational. Uh, I wasn't afraid, but I just didn't want to leave the confines of that tent. Um, so I got up. <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, started to get up the next morning and I thought, no, no, I'm going to sleep in. And then I heard the Lord speak to me and he said, nope, get up. Just about like that. Nope, just disagreed with me. Nope, time to get up. And I'm like, no, I'm going back to sleep. A bird landed on the top of that tent and, and sung as loud as I've ever heard a bird sing and would not go away. I'm like, okay, I get it, get up. So I got up, made myself breakfast, called Nancy. She proceeded to tell me how badly she had slept that night and how badly my daughter in Virginia had slept that night. They actually called each other at midnight and said, I don't know why I can't sleep, but I am very, very distraught, disheveled. She was house-sitting. She actually went home uh, and made Nancy stay on the phone with her till she got home. Same experience I had that night. Um, and I, I still didn't understand why the Lord wanted me to stay in that tent by myself. Talked to, had coffee with Don this morning, expressed that to him. He says, what does that mean to you? And I said, I have no idea. But in listening to the worship this morning, it occurred to me, I am sufficient. This is something the Lord has said to me every time I whine and complain about something going on in my life that I want him to change, that I am not happy that he is not changing to my satisfaction. You know, I wanted you to change, and this is how I want you to change it. And I would complain for a month or two at a time, Finally, a very loud voice said, I am sufficient. You, you, will, you will turn to me and you will trust me. I wasn't trusting him. And, and that's what I feel like God said to me this morning as I was sitting in the pew singing these songs. I just wanted to remind you, I am sufficient. 
you, you, you spent last night by yourself a little bit worried, but you weren't scared because I am sufficient. That was it. That was it. And that was enough. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Do you have anything to add? All right. Amen. Thank you, Ed. Hey, we, God, God is, uh, God speaking. Thank you, Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. He is sufficient. He is sufficient. We can trust in him. Repeat, repetitive. Just kind of getting down in our spirit, man, when you, when that happens. And we're thinking, why are we singing these things over and over? It's because sometimes we just need to repeat them. Amen. We need to proclaim them. When we do that, we're actually making a declaration that these things are true. And I want them active in my life. I want them working in my life. Amen. Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains would tremble before you. And when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways, but when you cont we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all, our right our all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O oh Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a desert. Even Zion is a desert. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple, where our fathers praised you, has been burned with fire. And all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all of this, O oh Lord, will you hold, back your, your, hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? O oh Lord, that you would rend the heavens. Would you break through and come down? That the mountains may tremble before you. That all in your presence would be completely ablaze. And all would come to that place that we know that God desires. That's our prayer today. That God would rend the heavens and come down. And that he would do something that he and he alone can do. And we do believe that God is doing that. We've been praying and praying. And when we come together this morning up here, everybody in this congregation praying that God, you would do something spectacular because you see our God is a big God and he does awesome things. And he does wonderful things in our lives. And we sang a song, I sang a song yesterday and, and that song we've sang many times is that we're desperate for him. And we're lost without him. And we are desperate, aren't we? Amen. Amen. And we're all coming together basically as one in unity and saying, Lord, we're desperate for you. And we're asking you to do this. And I, I, as Ed, we sang that song and Ed just mentioned, I felt like what the Lord was saying along with him in agreement with what he was saying is that whatever you're going through today, no matter what it is, he is sufficient. No matter what it is, no matter how your heart flutters in anticipation of the future and the anxiety that we know could come come in and take over our lives. Our God is speaking to his people as our father that he is sufficient 
and that we can trust in him. We can thank him and praise him. And he's totally trustworthy and he'll never change. He never has changed and he never will. So whatever it is today that God has spoken to you as he's speaking, that you say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you this day. Amen. We've been talking about today, then the last few weeks, about the community of believers. We're going to carry it and kind of knock it up a notch today in regards to the community of believers and what God is doing in preparation for this move of His Spirit and outpouring of God's Spirit in our lives. And today, the title is The Community of Believers, Our Love for One Another. We're going to look at two scriptures, Philippians chapter 1, verse 8. And then we're going to look at John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. If you'd like to stand while we read the scriptures, you're certainly welcome. Read with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. One verse. John 13. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer and you will look for me and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Amen. Amen. How will people know that we are children of God? How will people know that we are part of the body of Christ according to the word of God? It will be because we love one another. And actually, when we look at this particular uh, translation, we actually, it is translated tender affection. Now, when you talk about that, it sort of kicks it up a notch, doesn't it? When you talk about loving one another. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because God always kicks it up a notch. And you're going, Lord, how are we going to do that? How's that going to happen? And we talked about several weeks ago about the bride of Christ. And he's coming back for the bride of Christ. And you and I, as a church, believers are a part of the bride of Christ. And we will sit at the wedding supper of the Lamb, certainly, and feast with Him. We will be together with Him. We'll sit at a table, thinking of it in those means, with Him, all believers, being the bride of Christ, and we'll, we'll have supper with Him. We will sup. He said, open the door of your heart, and I'll come in and sup with you and, and me with you. Okay? So what He's saying today is that tender affection that he has for each one of us, we also should have towards one another. Now, I'm going, Lord, you know, I was talked about, obviously, in front of our house and the other house we were at where the man next door put his car in our, in, on the street in front of our house. Wouldn't put it in front of his house, put it in front of my house. And I didn't like it. So every day I'd get up and I'd look out the window and see, look, that car is sitting in front of my house. How come he doesn't put it in front of his house? And so I would continue to fret and struggle and just sort of have a tension there and so forth. Not thinking about loving my neighbor as myself. Certainly that wasn't even on my mind, okay? So don't look at me like that with judgment when I'm saying these things. Please pray for me. <laughs> and so I continue to fret and look out there each morning. There the car was sitting. There it was. So finally, I went out there and I looked at the car because I saw a dark spot underneath the car. And I came and went out and looked to see. And what was happening was his car was leaking oil real bad. And so what he was doing is putting a stain on the street. Wasn't my street, but certainly I claimed it's mine, right? Okay, wasn't my yard, wasn't my driveway, but I claimed it. And I looked at it and I said, Lord... Are you going to move this car or not? You're going to get it moved. And I began to pray. And the more I prayed about that, the more it seemed like the, the more oil that it leaked. Okay. 
until I came to a place of recognizing, Lord, I know that you want to bless that man next door. He's my neighbor. And I think maybe something biblically, the biblical scripture came to mind about love your neighbors yourself, love Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second command is only two, Jesus said. If you do that, then you're obviously on the righteous path that he desires us to be on. And finally, I said, Lord, I just put it in your hands. I can't get this guy to move this car. And finally, when I felt release in my heart is he took and moved the car. Even the police came by and put a ticket on it. He wasn't going to move it. The ticket stayed on his car for all that time. And I said, doesn't he see the ticket on his car? Nothing, nothing moved that car until I finally turned around and my attitude changed towards my neighbor. But when God talks about loving one another, you know, I can say, boy, I love you guys. I love you. But what does that mean when you talk about it? And I want to talk about it today. Because I believe, obviously, just like all of us say, and what God calls us to do, He always gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish what He tells us to do. Even though it may look far out of our, our particular strength and power and so forth, God will accomplish it through us. So He doesn't say it for us to just say, well, I just throw the towel in because that's impossible. He always tells us why. It's because he's growing us up, making us more like Jesus Christ. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor or reverence. Certainly here, give preference. We talked about humility and what that actually means. And what that means is actually considering others far greater, far superior than yourself. Now, that's sometimes very difficult to do, right? You like to think of yourself, well, what about my rights? And what about me? And we always think about that. And God is completely the opposite. He's trying to give us that spirit of humility to consider others who are more superior, even superior to you and to us. And that's what he's saying today. But we don't see people like that, do we? We talked about, again, taking and loving people for who they are and the way they are. Not agreeing with them if they obviously are in sin. We need to pray for them. But the body of Christ should be a place where people come and feel the freedom of coming in there where healing can take place. Not a place of judgment. Not a place, certainly, that we look down our nose at other people because, and I talked about the way we dress or the way we speak or what we, we do or whatever else. He's a place where people can come Jesus said the church is for the sick. You know, the righteous, obviously, the Pharisees that are out there looking down their nose at everything and so forth. We know what happened to them. But God is saying, this is a hospital. This is a place we can come. We can get made whole because that's what he's about. When Jesus came, he came to heal us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And all of us, we know, even today, we pray for, for physical healing. But we also pray for emotional healing. There are things in our past that we bring and things that we carry along with us that we can't experience the full freedom of Jesus Christ in our lives. And Jesus came for that very matter. And so he's saying, this is the place to come. He says, pray for one another. That obviously, and even we know in the book of James, it says, go, if one, if one of you is sick, you're at home, then call the elders of the church. Let them go over, anoint the person, lay hands upon the person, and the prayer of faith will make them well. And then it says, confess your sins one to another. Do you know we need to be confessing to one another our sins? Lord, have mercy. We're going to do that. That's what it says. But when you start beginning confessing, when you begin, you're dealing with something in your life because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but you're dealing with something and you know maybe it's a habit or something that's there, an addiction, or maybe a stronghold that's in your life. And you, you go, I can't share that. Well, how will people, th what will they think of me? See, the church is the place to come and get prayer and to be edified, to be lifted up. The place where we can come and be free and know there's no condemnation. And we don't look down our noses at others, okay? In fact, Jesus is again knocking it up a notch to say that you're to love each other with tender affection here. I'm talking about you and me. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about here, certainly. And this is what it's talking about. 
But actually what that means is, is the tender affection which a mother has for her child. It's tender, isn't it? Mighty tender. And one commentator translates this as a feel the tenderest affection towards each other and delight to feel it. This is a command to act and to feel an emotion. And Christians are commanded to demonstrate tender affection towards each other in family love. First Peter chapter one says, since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Again, we have a command to love one another earnestly with all of our hearts. It, it, it is possible only because we've been covered in the blood of Jesus. Only because we're believers today. And you know what? It's really, you think about it today. God is saying this is a command that we love one another. And he always talks about no divisions in the church, you see. And when the church divides or there's a split in the church and all that, oh, it grieves the heart of God because we're to come together. We're to love one another and we're to accept one another. We're to pray for one another. We are to surround one another with prayer and, and uplifting. We're here to edify, which means to build up, to strengthen one another in the faith today. That's why we're here today to worship the king, but also to build one another up in the brethren. I love that word, too. The brethren, we are part of the brethren here. And when Philippians chapter one talks about it, when Paul says, for God is my witness, how long for you will all I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. I long for you. I'm long for you. Have you ever noticed in Paul's letters? He, he was always saying, I, I just want to get back with you. If I can make it back to see you then I, I'm just yearning to be back with you. I saw that as, as a fervency in the Apostle Paul's life. He always did that, you know. And remember, Paul was persecuted, obviously. The church didn't necessarily like him in some ways and all. The, the church at Thessalonica actually contributed to his missionary journeys and so forth. But we know a lot of, there are lots of dissension. There are people from all backgrounds. You see the church there in Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, all of that. In the, in the city of Ephesus, it was a demonic city. That church was a light shining in the darkness in that particular city to make a difference. And it did. It did. The church at Ephesus, the, the, the Thessalonian church, was a, a church that was birthed right there in the midst of darkness. Let me tell you, we're in the midst of darkness around here today. Has anybody noticed? I mean, there are lots of things going on. There are people that don't seem to have any conscience at all today. And people will take a life and not think twice about it. And people today are obviously wandering in darkness today because they've not obviously turned their life over to Jesus Christ. And God is just beckoning and knocking at their heart's door and doing these types of things. You see, in our name, Lighthouse Fellowship, think about what a lighthouse actually does. It keeps the ships from dashing to pieces on the rocks. It warns the, pe the ships that are coming in too close and so forth. And you and I here as the body of Christ, Lighthouse Fellowship and the full body of Christ, all believers today should be a lighthouse to those people who are dashing their lives against the rocks. And many of them are going out into eternity without Jesus Christ. You and I have an opportunity today. but We've got to do what God tells us. And we've got to love one another with that tender affection. And the word Greek word is, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Take my word for it, would you please? And it's for affection. And the word is an odd one because it refers to the intestines or inner organs. That sounds strange, doesn't it? <laughs> and Paul actually translation is how long for you with the bowels of Christ Jesus. Isn't that weird? Now let me explain what that means actually. To the Jews there. The Jews saw the bowels. As the seat of all emotions. In other words. I maybe think of it in terms of. Our innermost being. Down deep. Our kindness. Benevolence. Compassion. And our heart. So the idea is. I long for you. And love you. Not just with an act of willpower but with a deep and tender affections. In other words, I miss you. I'm homesick or lovesick for you. 
Paul is expressing his love for his brothers and sisters in Christ, his love and affections for the family of God. The Bible commands us to love one another. How are they going to know that we are his disciples? Why? You read it? The word of God's true? Because why? We love one another. Okay? I ain't say I love you all day long. But see, the difference is of putting those feelings to my actions or taking, obviously, an act of my will that I love you and that we are to stand with one another. But actually, the Bible takes it further and that we should feel something for one another here. And so we're commanded to feel something here. But is that really possible? How are you going to do that? God commands this. So how can God do that? I'm going to explain how that goes. We know that it's God's will for us to do, obviously do right actions to one another as his children and to demonstrate sacrificial love. But God's will for his family is even bigger than that. He desires that we feel a certain way towards one another. He tells us these things. Number one, love each other with brotherly affection. Open your hearts wide to each other. Feel for each other a kind of tender affection and longing that would naturally be expressed in a holy kiss of love. In other words, God is commanding that we ought to feel. He's telling us to feel certain things here. But throughout, we know the Bible, throughout the Bible, we're commanded to bring our feelings into line with our actions. We ought to obviously feel the joy in the Lord here, right? He commands us what? To rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul says, and again, I say rejoice. We ought also to feel the sorrow, sympathy. And he commands us what? To weep with those who weep. Romans chapter 12. To feel that joy. I can say I had the joy of the Lord all day long. But am I experiencing the joy of the Lord? All right. When we get out and leave this place today and go and get back into the marketplace, do we feel the joy of the Lord? The Christian walk is a walk of not just doctrine and something we believe, yes, and we hang our hat upon the word of God, but it's an experience of walking with Jesus every day. He is our peace. He is our peace. We just sang it repetitively. Don prayed it. And so he is our peace. He brings peace. Nothing can obviously stir. When you go through the worst adversity, Jesus is our peace. Shouldn't we experience peace? The Bible says in Philippians that he gives us the peace that passes all understanding. We can't understand it. Have you ever had that spiritual peace like that? A supernatural peace? And you're going, wow, I'm going through some of the worst difficult circumstances in my life. And I've got peace down deep. It's because Jesus is revealing his peace, is beginning to flow through us, his peace that's experiential. Amen. Not just that I know it here, but down in my heart of hearts. And that's what he's saying about our relationship. Oh, man, I know we love one another. I'm the preacher, right? I know this. But am I experiencing it? That's the whole crux of the matter. We ought to feel gratitude for a great gift. He commands us to be thankful, right? We should rejoice with those when we rejoice. When somebody here has a celebration, somebody hears a word from the Lord, somebody here has been blessed this past week, okay, which I have, and I know you have too. If you'll stop for a moment, you'll see. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, right? And you and I both, we know we've been blessed. Sometimes we don't always come in and share it. We should, certainly. But we know we need to rejoice with them. We need to experience the joy they're experiencing. We may may not experience it in the fullness of that because that's real personal. But we need to obviously get on board and experience these things. When someone is is grieving, we need to grieve with them. You ever been in the presence of somebody that's grieving? I have with hospice for almost 25 years, right? And I was grieving. I'd sit there and listen to them talk about their mama. Or their dad who'd gone off and been to heaven and so forth. And actually, I always thought, why was it I came from the, away from that place and I was grieving? It's because there's something that psychologically they call the transference of grief. 
They can transfer that grief to you. But I believe it should go deeper than that as brothers and sisters in Christ. And you're my brothers and sisters in Christ. We should grieve with those who grieve. We should rejoice with those that rejoice. We should have that tender affection for one another and that close relationship with one another as family. You have your family at home or if your family's here and you obviously have a relationship with them like none other. You pray for them. You do anything for them. It's the same way here. If we're family here, why don't we do it here? We should, you see. We should feel remorse for our sin. He commands us to be miserable and mourn and weep. James 4, 9. So why do we need to bring our feelings in line with our actions here? Well, think about it. If I'm angry at you, isn't it kind of strange that I, I just come in here and let it go and all that? Don't you call that dishonesty? If I got something about you, what does the Bible tell you to do? Anybody? If I've got something against my brother, what does the Bible tell us to do? Anybody? Don. Go to him personally and seek restoration. And then bring your gift to the altar and worship, right? It's, it's not right. I've got something against you. And, and, you know, obviously we're all different. But how does God reconcile it? Forgiveness. Love. See, the whole thing is about love, right? It's about love. The whole thing is about love. I mean, I know, obviously, the, the whole fact of the matter. And, and for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God loved you and me that he sent Jesus, the ultimate gift of love. And we should love in that way. And you go, boy, that's a high standard, Jim. But that's why I said you need the power of the Spirit. You need the Spirit to be able to do that. You don't automatically do that. Why? It's because we have sin that gets in. We got pride that gets in our lives that wants to be obviously self-sufficient and so forth. I can do this. I don't need anybody. And you see a lot of people who are not in church, they, they say, I don't need church. And a lot of times I've heard people say today, I don't need to go to church. You go to church because it's a crutch for you. How many of you heard that before? It's a crutch. A crutch. Now, I need the Lord every day. I don't mind admitting it. I don't admit that I need the body of Christ today. You go, yeah, but you're the preacher. You've got to do this, right? <laughs> You've got to do it, pastor. You've got to be a pastor. You've got to do that. You've got to come to church. No, I don't necessarily okay in that. Okay, I'm here because I want to be. Because I want to lead people into a deeper walk with Jesus Christ. Because I know it's the most exciting thing will ever happen in your life and my life today. I want to see your faith increase in Jesus Christ like never before today. I want to see you have renewal in your life today like never before. It's because that's what triggers. Because I rejoice with you in that. And because I see that and I say hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Amen. Thank you Lord. Okay. Amen. That's what it's all about today. The body of Christ. So somehow, whether or not we believe it or think of it in that way, we're all connected together as family. Man, tender affection. Come on, Lord. How do I do that? So what do we do? Well, first of all, if you're feeling nothing, ask yourself for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Ask yourself why. Ask yourself why. Why is that? Maybe it be will align the level of relationship that you have who, with the people that you aren't feeling anything towards. See, I can come in here every week. Hey, how you doing, man? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I can come in here. Hey, hey, how y'all? I'm waving to you and I'll shake your hand. You know, bless, hug your neck, whatever it may be. But what's down in my heart? All my outward actions. How can I bring about what God ultimately wants? And line that up with the actions that I sometimes I project out, okay? Because God knows my heart and he knows your heart. But he's telling us this because he wants us to be free. He wants us to see the community of believers as be so, being so important in building his kingdom. It's beyond what we can understand. We're responsible for moving the barriers that prevent our actions and emotions from lining up. God wants his children to feel love for one another, not just act nice towards one another. Talking about a parent. What parent doesn't want their children to be close to one another? All parents want their children to be one, close to one another, don't they? Here, they might be okay with just being civil, but God wants us to be tenderly affectionate 
towards each other because this testifies to the reality of the family of God. It speaks. And you see before revival hits and as revival comes, and we see that. Let me tell you, you want to be a part of that? I do. God's going to bring that about. Why? It's because who he is. We're family. I've always said, y'all have heard me say the little expression about if you got something toward your brother against your brother here on this earth, then get it right now. Don't wait until you're in heaven and their mansion is right next to yours. You don't want to wait till then to try to get it right. Get it right now. And God is saying that you and I have to love each other in that way. And you know why we don't? Because the church has hurt us in the past. Because people have said rude things to us. People have rejected us. There have been things that have happened in the church house today and the same way in families. But we haven't gotten it right. And what happens? What happens sometimes we allow a root of bitterness to get down in our hearts. And we know the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger because if not, if not there's a chance a root of bitterness can come in. And because we've been wounded by other people because they looked at us in ways, they've said things that are inappropriate. We've left the church. Many people have left the church today because the church did not receive them. I know because I'm a pastor and I've seen it happen. And I've stood back with my mouth open like, please don't say that to that person. Please don't turn that people person away. They're coming in and they want to feel the love of Christ. How are we going to obviously experience the love of Christ if we don't even like one another? Isn't that true? The Bible calls us to a deeper level, you can call it, or a higher level, whatever way you want to look at it. He sets the bar high, folks, doesn't he? But he never says, I'm going to command this and then walk away from you. He says, I'll obviously work this in your heart if you allow me. I was asking the Lord the other day about some things and <clears throat> I was praying some prayers for inner healing. And that's something I would encourage you to do. Ask the Spirit of God to turn his light up on areas of wounds in your heart. They can be family wounds. Maybe you were raised in a tough home. And obviously there's difference. Uh, the, the, the boundaries were set, but parents, sometimes they go over those boundaries. There are wounds in our hearts. And you're wondering all through life, why well, can't get close to anybody? Why well, can't trust anybody? It's because somehow you were betrayed by somebody. Somebody close to you. And I began to ask the Lord, show me these things that may be in my heart that I feel like maybe I've been betrayed. And maybe in one way or another I've been wounded. There's a wound there. Because see, I can come in here and keep you at an arm's distance. You can keep me at an arm's distance. But according to the word of God, that's not what it's saying us to do. We're to do as a church. We love one another with a tender affection, a closeness. And God wants us to feel love for each other and not just act nice towards one another here. God is our Father. We're His children. And we are brothers and sisters in one family with the deepest common values in the universe. Think about that today. We have the truth. And when you know the truth, the Bible says that you, the truth will set you free. We have the answer. There are people wandering today in darkness. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. We have the answer we can present to Him. And yet so often we're so wounded that we're obviously just focused on ourselves and we're not focused outward. We're not focused on anybody else except for me, myself, and I. And that's the way society's going today. Okay? They look out for one another. When you see somebody else extending and doing something for someone else, isn't it maybe you recognize it right away, don't you? Don't you? Let me give you a little example. And I don't think in any way it's breaking any confidence. But last week we had lunch with our brothers and sisters and saves Zavid. I love that. Didn't you, Don? <laughs> we loved it. And uh, they came. We loved our brothers and sisters. They come in there. Man, I'm telling you, there's some things happening. Nancy sh shared with us in Sunday school this morning. It's like, wow, I'm just sitting here. I'm trying to get through this. And we had them last month come. And one of the little daughters of one of the members of Save Savage, and, and by the way, they're all part of the church. They're labeled with safe savvy, but they're all part of Lighthouse Fellowship, okay? 
And one of the daughters made a cake. Okay. His little daughter. Okay. And she made a cake. And I loved it. And I know everybody else did. Why? It's because the whole thing was scarfed up before. Obviously, we left the place. It was good. It was good. And I said, who made this cake? And they told me. He said, little girl over there. I said, she made the cake? How can she make a cake like that? And all. Because it's delicious. Well, I went over to her. And I said, I just want you to know. Oh, boy. That was really a good cake. And it was. I was not placating her. I was telling the truth. It was a good cake. It went on. So last week, we were sitting there. And her father, we had so many desserts over there. I tried to pick, and I was looking and all and stuff. And the father came over and said, hey, uh, she made a cake over there for you. And so I, uh, and so I went in, I got a piece of cake. It was good. It was good. Everybody said, hey, you know who made this cake? Go over there and get your piece. Go get your piece. So I sat down. I ate that cake. It was good. It was good. Pretty soon they came over and they were talking to me about it. And they go, you know what? She made a whole cake for you. She said, go ahead and get it. That's yours. I made it specifically for you. Now this is a little girl. Okay. She heard something and responded out of it. Just because I liked it. And because it was something that was good. She went out of her way. To make a whole cake for me. That's love, folks. That's love, okay? Do we do that? When we see somebody and we see a particular need, and obviously I didn't need the cake, but a lot of times there's a need involved, and that actually ramps it up also. Do you take and respond to it? Do you give in that way? That should be happening here, right? Or we're out in the marketplace, certainly, too. Wherever God presents to you, okay? Let me read you a story. This German philosopher, he compared the human race to a bunch of porcupines huddling together on a cold winter's night. And he said, the colder it gets outside, the more that we huddle together for warmth, the porcupines. But the closer we get to one another, porcupines, the more we hurt one another with our sharp quills. And in the lonely night of Earth's, Earth's winter, eventually we begin to drift apart and wander out on our own and freeze to death in our loneliness. Isn't that true? We got quills. The closer we get to one another, we start hurting one another. And what happens is we just back off completely. And before long, we're out there. And what happens is we obviously die from loneliness. God has made you and me in relationships to put us in relationships. I've told you before, I could be a hermit. I could sit in the back row of the church, okay, and do it. God has called me to pastor and preach. But I could easily sit in the back row and obviously and say, hey, how y'all doing? And go on and slip on out of here. But according to the word of God, there's more to it than that. There is a relationship that we have. And God has given us opportunities here, whether it be with Save Savage or others he brings in, to have a relationship with them. Their needs. And we need to be a place where we open our arms and we say, come on in. We love you. We want you to know that we accept you for who you are. We'll pray for whatever need you have. We will walk with you through adversity, through tough times, through turmoil, whatever it is. God is calling you and I to do that because he's saying he wants us to be close together. Christian love is a growing thing. And love is a growing thing. So you may have some of it. And be a real Christian and not have enough of it. You may feel some affection towards a fellow believer, but also wrestle with other neg negative emotions here. So actually what it means is, doesn't mean you're not a Christian. We're all in a growth process, right? Doesn't mean that. And this is not to obviously heap any condemnation on none, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But what it is, is obviously challenging. The word of God always challenges me. I don't know about you. 
Word of God always confronts me, okay? I don't know about you. I look at it and I go, whoa, okay? This is the way God's, God obviously operates. Practical steps to growing in affection, love for your church. Spend time with one another, your brothers. Get to know them. Don't just, hey, hey hello, and goodbye. That's why we have fellowship luncheon. That's why I love that. And I've spoken of it many, many times. Here's one way we can do it. Real simple. Pray for one another. Okay? When I go through and I pray, I pray every day for Lighthouse Fellowship. I pray many times specifically. I pray for healing for those that we get through text messages and so forth. And I pray for particular things. Okay? But I pray for, in the sense of different things, and my coffee pot has a, um, Casey brought a part of a puzzle. And I get up and, of course, I know I'm going to drink a cup of coffee. I know I'm going to do that. So when I get my cup of coffee, I see that puzzle piece. Trigger, pray, pray, pray for Daniel, Casey, blah, blah, and everybody else too. But what that puzzle does is trigger me to pray for you guys, to pray for your healing, to pray, obviously, for these things. We need those little things, okay? A little small piece of puzzle sitting by my coffee pot. And I pray, and I begin to go through the roll call. And begin many times to go through it and pray for every the people and pray God will build them up. And then God will put people on my mind during the day that I can pray for. Pray for one another. When revival starts to take place, we're going to be praying. And we're praying now because I believe something's happening here. Significant. Let me read a story in closing. Some missionaries in the Philippines set up a croquet game. Y'all know what croquet is? Everybody knows what, what mallet and the ball. Okay, in their front yard. This is a missionary in the Philippines. And several of the natives became interested and wanted to join the fun. The missionaries explained the game and started them out, each with a mallet and a ball. And as the game progressed, opportunity came for one of the players to take advantage of another by knocking that person's ball out of the court. Okay, missionaries saying, knock the ball out of the court. That'll get rid of him. Okay, a missionary explained the procedure. But his advice only puzzled the natives. Why would I want to knock his ball out of the court, he asked. So you will be the one to win. A missionary said, this is a missionary. The short-statute man, clad only in a loincloth, shook his head in bewilderment. He says this, uh, the game continued. But no one followed the missionary's advice. And when a player successfully got through all the wickets, the game was not over for him. He went back and gave aid and advice to his fellows. And as the final player moved towards the last wicket, the affair was still very much a team effort. And finally, when the last wicket was played, the team shouted happily, We won! We won! Get the picture? We won because why? We were together as one. Psalm 133, we started this journey way back. He said, blessed is when brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ dwell together in uni unity. Because that's where God anoints and pours the oil down on Aaron's beard and his cloak there. And at the end of that psalm, it says, and that's where God commands his blessing in unity as one. We won. We won. And somebody gets a victory. When somebody gets free from something, a habit or addiction that they've had and they've carried it for years and the person gets free. Do you know what that does to my life? And the life of believers that rejoice with those that are getting set free. My heart leaps. In my chest. That I can say we won. We won. That has to be folks. It has to be. And when you and I pray for one another. We join that battle. Because believe it or not. We are all in the army of God. There are no bystanders. And there's no one that's sort of sitting on the sideline. There's no, obviously, neutral position. Anybody here recognize that we're in a war? We have, ad, ad, we have an adversary. His name is Satan and all of his demons. 
that are coming against you and coming against me. And they're trying to destroy us. They're trying to destroy the church house. They're trying to destroy unity. They're trying to destroy anything good that happens together when we get together as a body of Christ. Because he knows when God's people pray that something explosive is going to happen. That's what's going to happen. When people begin to bring their hearts together and love each other with that tender affection. Wow. Everybody got that? Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. And in the book of Ephesians, the pray I pray, I pray every day. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> he said, I'm praying for you. I keep praying for you. That God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That you may know him better. And the eyes of your heart may be enlightened to know the hope to which he's called us. His glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incredibly great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at the right hand of the father. And then in Ephesians 3. He prays another prayer. He said I keep praying this. That he strengthen your inner man. The innermost part of our being. With all power. That you'll know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That surpasses all measure. That you be met, you be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now these are not puny prayers, are they? He mean it, and he prayed for them. And when you pray for this church, when you pray for the leadership here, when you pray for the congregants here in this place today, your prayers are sending the throne room of grace, just like that incense in the book of Revelation. It goes up before the throne. Incense being representative of prayer. And when that bowl is full. God pours it out. And here comes the answers. God is calling you and me. A higher walk with him. Or a deeper walk. And he's calling you and me. Because he's up the ante. Not that we're not saved. We're saved. We're going to heaven. But he's saying I'm not finished with you yet. I'm not done. I want to use you in, in my kingdom to build that. That his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's all he wants. We're actually, when miracles happen, actually, remember what Jesus said? When you see that? Obviously, it's God's kingdom has come and manifested his presence. We see people healed today. We know that God has manifested his kingdom. And that's what it's all about in our lives today. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Be glad with those. Don't be jealous because maybe you think God didn't answer your prayer. Or that God didn't do the same thing in your life. Or God didn't prosper you like he's prospered with this person or that person. He'll prosper you. And he'll bless you. And he'll heal you. And he'll set you free. And he'll build you up. Trust me. Trust the word of God. He does it. In his way, his timing. So don't throw the towel in because somehow you're like this. Join in what God is doing in the earth today. God is saying today, you and I, I've never understood how why God wants to use human beings. <laughs> but he does. I've never understood why God would want me to be in heaven with him throughout eternity. But he does. I've never understood here that he none, wishes none to perish but all to come to everlasting life. But he does. I've never understood for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. I've never understand it. But he does. And I believe him. And I trust him. I don't want to walk with him. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to come in here and just go through the motions and worship. I don't want to come in and just shake your hand and say, adios. Hope you have a good week. God bless you. Nothing wrong with that. But the relationship that we have together, according to the word of God, goes a whole lot deeper. God wants it to happen in your life and my life. The first thing that we do 
is acknowledge the fact that this is what God wants. You believe it? The only thing that will keep you and me from walking in that because it looks like the bar is way too high. He has some own strength. It is, but not in the strength of the Lord. But when we acknowledge and say that and say, Lord, work that in my heart. Do that to me because I want that. I'm looking. I'm looking for this place as we've talked about. A community of believers. A place that people can come and be a part and accepted and loved and prayed for and, and built up in their faith. Whatever they're going through. No matter how obviously quirky it all looks. Because all of y'all have said I'm quirky. Hadn't y'all said that? I know y'all said it. You may not have said it in my face, but I know you've said it. Jim's a real quirky pastor. Okay. <laughs> right? all different and he's put us together we think we're here by accident nope we're not we're here because God brought us here and this is the place where we can grow and fall more in love with Jesus Christ that's all I want to fall more in love with Jesus amen God is good and if y'all noticed on your bulletin today what does it say your, your program? What does it say? Amen. God is good all the time. Does he ever change? Does his word change one day to the next? Well, it's true today, but maybe it's not as true tomorrow. No. Never change. And it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him being glorified and him honored. And that's what's happening in this church today. Pray, church. Pray, seek him. And we can have the most, obviously, depth of love for one another when you pray for one another. And truly get down and pray. And when you can rejoice and, and weep and, and walk with Jesus with that person, whatever it may be, because you all are ministers. Okay, test, we're going to close here. But I'm going to test you. I told you, pay attention. Always pay attention to what I'm saying. Don, would you help me? Because I think I have enough of this. Thank you, sir. Michael. <laughs> it works all the time. We do one for each one. Um, I mentioned last week, and we'll close with this, is that we all have gifts, right? We think we're just kind of buying time. Because see, what happened in history was the church turned to where the pastor did everything and the congregation sat in the pews. Nothing wrong with coming and hearing the word and worshiping and so forth. Nothing wrong with that. But God's got a lot more for you and me. Okay. That's not an excuse for me to say I don't have anything to do. Okay. God uses me. I should be on my knees praying. Really. That's my whole thing. And equipping you. I want to disciple you. So anywhere that you, you feel like you, you, you want to be discipled and you feel like there's a place in your life that, that you just can't, can't get over the hurdle, bring it to the church. Call me. Uh, we'll have people pray for you. We have people up here that can pray after the service too if you need prayer, okay, whatever it may be. When the church is operating together like it is, like it should be, and everybody's using their gifts. Thank you, Michael. Um, it, it's, it's powerful. Okay. And this, this particular hand, these handouts are two devotionals. And it actually talks about the gifts. Okay. And you go, but how do I know my gift? What do you like to do? Okay. What do you like to do? I can tell. I can look at you right now. I'm looking across this. And I can tell some of the gifts that y'all have. Okay. That are here. And I know. Okay. They're different gifts. And they're also 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 talks about the gifts. Okay. Some people have the different gifts of service, encouragement. Some have gift of encouragement. Some have gifts of words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Some uh, have the gift of prophecy and all that. We've had prophetic words have been given here. We're having different things happening and more things, gifts being developed. As the spirit of God begins to move more and more, you'll see that beginning to develop more and more. Okay. All of you are gifted in here. If you're a Christian, God's given you a gift. He wants to use you. And you're thinking, I can't do very much. You can pray. 
and pray and, and seek the Lord. And whatever it may be, what you need, okay? So, so be sure, take a look at this when you get home and, and all. And, and look, uh, a, a question, bring questions in. You can interrupt me at any time. I'm, uh, we're open. This is open to Lydia. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lydia. Prayer warrior, intercessor. And Lydia's an intercessor. Anybody else? Come. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. You know, this is the one time I think in all this, you know, where you've heard people say, would you stop talking? All right. I'm not saying that about Betty. I'm telling Betty to keep talking. How about y'all? Amen. Amen. Keep talking. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? What's going on? Anybody? Amen. Don't stop talking, Betty. Don't stop talking. Keep talking. Keep talking. 
Anybody else? All right. Okay, we'll have prayer up here at the end. Anybody like prayer? We've got prayer warriors that hear from the Lord. If you need prayer, come on up. This is something, a place we can get refreshed. Lord, thank you that we can come together corporately. Thank you for all you brought here today. Ask your blessing. Ask your strength, your power. Ask you, Lord, today, pour your spirit out here. And like we said, don't, don't stop talking. Don't stop talking. Speak, Lord. We're listening to you. Our hearts are open. We know you speak through your servants. We know, Lord, today, that's what you're doing. That's what you're about. And we ask you, Lord, to pour your spirit, touch every heart here, heal every heart. Help us to know how powerful it is when, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Give us your blessing, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.